This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Homeschool with Moxie podcast, where our goal is to inspire and encourage you with actionable strategies to take you from overwhelmed to confident in your homeschool adventure. I'm your host, Abby Banks, and this is episode number 85. This episode is brought to you by my inductive Bible study courses for kids all the way from kindergarten through 12th grade. If you have kids and you're trying to find a Bible curriculum or Bible resource that will teach them how to deep dive into the actual text of scripture, but yet walk them through step-by-step in an easy-to-follow way, then you're going to want to check out our inductive Bible study courses. Did you know that you could try out the first 10 pages of our Book of James self-study workbook? absolutely free. This resource is for grades 5 through 12, and you can find it at 41more.com forward slash try James. I will also put the link in the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 85. Welcome to episode number 85. I was able to chat with Nikki Truesdell, who is a veteran homeschool mom, as well as an author. Nikki wrote the book, Anyone Can Homeschool, Overcoming Obstacles to Home Education. And I found it a really approachable book, almost like the kind that I would suggest to everyone who's first starting out or everyone who is considering homeschooling. And there are just tons of obstacles, either in your own mind or people you know, friends and family are throwing up these objections to you, or you, maybe you're in a weird situation where you, you have to work in homeschool, or you're a single mom, or you're dealing with a chronic illness. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why people get scared away from homeschooling. And in this conversation with Nikki, we're going to talk about her story a little bit and how she's literally homeschooled almost through every situation you could come up with. And then also we're going to talk about some common fears and objections. Even as a veteran homeschool mom myself, I find myself occasionally coming back to these fears. And I think it's pretty normal that even if you've homeschooled for a while, you still kind of circle back around and have to deal with myths, have to deal with some objections or some common fears that we all you know, we all have in our lives regarding homeschooling. Like, am I ruining my kids? Am I doing it right? There are a lot of things that I found in her book that are, that I think a lot of you are going to resonate with. The super fun thing is that Nikki is giving away one of her books to a lucky listener. So if you want to go ahead and enter that giveaway, if you're listening to this podcast episode soon after it goes live, um, head over to the show notes and definitely enter. It's an awesome book for anyone from beginners to to veteran homeschool moms. So the show notes where you can find all of Nikki's links, as well as the giveaway entry is at 41more.com forward slash 85. So definitely check that out. Get yourself a copy of her book. Even if you don't win the giveaway, it's an awesome book. So here we go. Enjoy this conversation I had with Nikki Truesdell. Nikki, thanks for joining us on today's podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. 
I'm excited to have you. So as we start out, let's go ahead and can you introduce yourself and your family? Yes. Well, my name is Nikki and I live in Texas with my husband and I have children. Um, two are grown now and one of them is married. And then I still have three at home that I'm homeschooling. And uh, I blog and write and teach my kids. That's awesome. How long have you actually been homeschooling? And maybe you give us a little peek into some of this. I know you were in a whole bunch of different situations at different points in your life. So maybe you can briefly tell us about that. Yes. Well, I am um, a second generation homeschooler. So I was a homeschool kid from the time I was 11 years old until my senior year. And that kind of just, you know, set me on a path to be a homeschool mom. And so that has been 20 years as a homeschool mom um, since my oldest was old enough for us to start teaching, basically. And um, when it started, I was married and had one child. And then my second one came along four years later. And so the first year or so was very normal, like you would expect. We started kindergarten like everybody else would. And then we kind of went through a series of events that set me on a path to sharing how to homeschool through very difficult life um, circumstances. And so that included running away from an abusive marriage living as a single mom with two children, very, very, very low income, and then having to work as a single mom. Um, So many different situations kind of bounced off of that, you know, going through uh, divorce is tough and then being a single mom and trying to figure out how to support kids. I was remarried two years after that and happily so. Um, But then we had sort of an economic crisis, the whole country did, and so our income plummeted. We moved several times, I've had pregnancy issues, and then lifelong migraines and budget concerns up and down all along the way. And so there have been so many situations that I've been through as a homeschool mom and have figured out a way to keep going. And I didn't set out on this mission to prove to the world that you can homeschool through all these different things, but it just kept happening. And I was able to finally look back and tell people, Oh yeah, you can do this. I'll let me tell you how we did it. You know, and that's how my book came about just answering questions over and over with real life experiences. Cause I think that's what people need to hear. It's true. I think that is really valuable that you can say like it works in all these situations. Cause sometimes that's the reason people don't homeschool is they say, well, I can't do it because of this life situation. And you've kind of proved that even if you didn't set out to prove it, you did, you have proven that, you know, it can be done. So that's really encouraging. So would you, what best describes your homeschooling style? Have you kind of had a similar style all the way through or has it changed as you've, have you, as you've done it for a longer period of time? Oh, it definitely changed over time. When I grew up homeschooled, it was very traditional because that was in the 1980s. So the the choices of curriculum were kind of slim and they were all very traditional. And so that's, uh, you know, and I came out of public school before that. So it seemed very normal. And that's how I started off with my first daughter. But I learned from her learning style that that's not always best. And so I had to start researching and asking questions and looking into other ways. And we really did a lot of trial and error. 
And so I'd say over 20 years, we went from very traditional homeschooling to a, a very eclectic mix. And so when I say eclectic, it's hard to pin down our style, but I did take an online quiz <laughs> because people ask me that a lot. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's a mix of classical and Charlotte Mason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want, a, if you want a label for our homeschooling and really what I love is um, as many good whole books as possible. We do a lot of reading, um, but we still use textbooks for math and uh, grammar a little bit. You know, we are all over the place. Yeah. Which I think, find a lot of families settle on that eclectic mix and usually, you know, strong in one or two areas, like you said, like classical and Charlotte Mason. But it is funny. I think once you've homeschooled for a while, you you end up wanting to pick and choose the best out of every little thing and kind of yes. making your own because your kids are unique. So what fits one doesn't fit the next one. So I love that. Exactly. Yeah, it makes sense. So you wrote this book, Anyone Can Homeschool, and that is totally the perfect title because it is so true. So I'm guessing you heard a lot of questions over and over, you know, why did, can you tell us why you wrote this book and who is, who's the best person to read this? Who did you write it for? Oh, that's, that's a hard one who I wrote it for. It's every parent who thinks that homeschooling is only for a certain very small pocket of the population because I think most people that are not familiar with homeschooling assume you have to have a set income and the right size house and the right kind of patience and only a certain number of kids and an extra room, you know, and a teaching degree and have to have been really smart in school and so many other things like they, you know, it's, it's, it's not uncommon to just think, okay, that's for a certain group of people and I'm not that person. Mm -hmm. And so like I said, I learned through trial and error. I learned the hard way that a single mom can do it. And a mom with um, lifelong migraines can still do it. And I learned that you can do it as a working mom uh, if both mom and dad work or if you have no money at all. (laughs) I learned all those things. And so as I started getting questions just in my area or online about Um, how do you do it if, then I would answer. And it was always a long answer. Well, you know, there's not just a formula for everybody in the world. It's different for every family. That's what makes homeschooling so perfect is that you adapt it to your family. And so I was always giving these long detailed answers. And my husband actually finally said, you should just write a book. (laughs) So I thought it was funny at first. And then I realized, hey, yeah, a lot of people are asking this. And so that's how the book came to be. Makes total sense. Now, I'm assuming you're going to come up with some answers to this question that I might come up with some other ones. But I think you've probably been around the homeschooling world long enough that you're seeing some top obstacles that people are facing? And we've mentioned some of them already, but what would you say are some of the top obstacles that people choose not to homeschool because they face these? And then like, just what are some solutions you see? Uh, I know for a fact that a lack of confidence is one of the main ones. You know, most parents think that if they did not go to college at all, or if they didn't go to become a teacher, then they they can't possibly do this. And so, or if they weren't good at math, or they don't remember history, you know, all of those things wrapped up in a lack of confidence as their as an ability to teach. 
that is what I see as the number one thing. And I've seen people, well-educated people still believe that they can't actually teach their own kids. And so I think um, the main thing to fix that is understanding what education is. And the first two chapters of my book actually address this in pretty great detail because what people don't understand if they don't homeschool is that it looks about a thousand different ways mm-hmm. at all these different houses. And so there's not one way to homeschool. There's not one way to get an education. And so you can do this no matter what level of education you received or how much you loved or hated school, no matter um, how old your kids are or even if they have special needs. Um, That's a whole chapter that's in my book too. You don't have to have a special education teacher necessarily in an IEP to educate your own child with special needs. And so understanding that education is not just the way we know of it in a public school classroom makes all the difference. When you really start to see all the different ways it can be done, that really kind of shatters the the scary, no, I'm not qualified um, feeling. Yeah, I would agree with you. I I would say parents, why do they, yeah, they really lack confidence. And maybe it's because we're told so much, oh, that's for the professionals to do. And then we, we, I love, you know, the thought of like parenting is just, it's it's just an extension of what we've been doing all along with our kids, right? It is. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's the thing. And I, and I get really tired of, experts and professionals, you know, using that term because it's kind of made us feel like we're not qualified to do anything in this world anymore. You know, not just parenting, but so many other things if we didn't go to school for it. And that's Mm -hmm. just not the case, but especially parenting, you, you just extend, you're just adding something else to that whole parenting role. Yeah. And it's something that you grow with too, right? I mean, some parents are scared because they're like, how are we going to teach high school? But you grow, you like, you grow with everything. Like you grow with when you're parenting, you don't know how to parent teens when you have that baby. So exactly. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, that's the little, I think um, just having a teenager is probably a little scarier than teaching a teenager because I learned, um, I'm on my third teenager now and I've learned that I really like teaching high school and it's not because I'm a great high school teacher, but. I just love the topics and the conversation. Yes. You know, the little young adults that you've got. And it's a whole different ballgame than making them do long division, you know? Yes. (laughs) Yes. I'm in that same boat as you. I have three high schoolers. And I I have said recently to my husband, this is, I'm loving parenting this stage rather than all the littles. I know some people are into, you know, the baby stage, whatever, but I'm kind of with you. I'm enjoying the homeschooling the older kids. I think it is awesome. Totally fun. It is. Rewarding. Another thing that I think um, is an obstacle. It's definitely money, and that can be maybe you don't have enough money or feel like you don't to buy curriculum, or you, maybe you're not feeling comfortable getting rid of that second income. That's a lot of, um, that's an issue for a lot of families because if you have two incomes, you've settled into a lifestyle to need those two incomes. And so money is kind of a double-sided issue, but I've been there for both of them and I can say that you can adjust to anything. Um, And so as far as the cost of homeschooling, it can be as little or as much as you want it to be. You know this, I'm sure Mm -hmm. that uh, curriculum, there's some really great fancy packages out there and they cost hundreds of dollars a year. There's also very inexpensive and lots of free stuff out there. So 
there's not an obstacle really there. If you, if you just know who to talk to and start digging and looking, the curriculum cost is not a problem. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to having two incomes, that's tricky. Um, and I would just say, again, that the main thing is learning to understand education and understanding that homeschooling does not look like a public school and then realizing you can adjust your whole life around this school thing. You don't have to have a school day from eight to three, Monday through Friday, just like they do at the public school. You just need to adjust your schedule to fit work and life and all of that. And so I know people that do it so many different ways that I couldn't give you one answer. Mm-hmm. You know, there are many families that I know that homeschool and have two jobs, but depends on the job, the hours, you know, the age of their kids. And so really the answer to that is just saying, okay, we're going to homeschool and I have this job. Let's fit it all into our week and see how this goes. That's really the answer. I love it. Yeah, I agree with you. And that's really helpful to hear some solutions there because I'm sure you talked to some specific moms that were, were having those answers in their heads mm-hmm. and now you've, you've spoken to them. That's really awesome. Your whole book is great. And I, I would say it's especially written for people who are considering homeschool or just getting into it. I mean, I would have loved to read it 10 years ago. It would have spoken to everything <laughs> I needed to know. But, you. Um, you know, I love the whole book. But when I got to your last chapter, that's where I really said, you know, this is great. This is what... Um, even even veteran homeschool moms need to hear these fears and objections because even if we've been doing it for 10 years, these fears come back, you know, to haunt us sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to focus in on the things you mentioned in the last chapter, which was common fears and objections. And so I'm going to mention one of, a, one of them at a time, and then I'll just let you kind of explain what you mean and what you've seen in your experience. So This one is a common one that I've just heard a friend say to me this week. So it's so relevant. She felt behind. She was like, I'm failing my child. But you say there is no such thing as behind in homeschooling. What do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is you are not on someone else's timetable as a homeschool. And and I even take into consideration states where there are different rules that you have to follow and reporting that you have to do. I understand different states have different regulations for homeschooling, but I still will say there's no such thing as behind. And as long as you follow their minimal rules, you are still in charge. Parents are in charge. And if your child doesn't do, let's say, multiplication in third grade, they're going to still learn it. If they don't learn to read in first grade, they're still going to learn to read. Um, you don't have to do biology in eighth grade if you need to wait until 10th or if you want to do it in fifth. So the reason I say that is because this public school system, and it's pretty standard all the way across the country, they have a scope and sequence and every kid does everything on the same schedule. And that is because they're managing thousands and thousands of children and they have to do it as efficiently as possible. And so why not have a plan and everybody check off the list? But if you're not in that system, you don't have to worry about that list. You still want to accomplish the same things, but you don't have to do it on their schedule. And so I have five kids. I've got uh, two boys and three girls. And Contrary to popular wisdom, my boys read early and my girls read late. And so um, 
I had two girls first, they both didn't start reading until, you know, eight or nine years old. So that would make you feel behind, wouldn't it? If you'd think, oh no, I've messed up. And so luckily I had already been finding some wisdom from some other veteran homeschool moms who let me know it's okay. They will read even though it's not, you know, when the school says they should. And so by the time my boys came along and they were wanting to read at four and five, it was very strange. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then my last girl was on the same schedule as her older sisters. Um, She's nine. Just this year, she started reading books on her own. And so it would make you feel behind. And it's so hard when you are comparing or when other people look at your kids and want to compare them. But you have to be confident in knowing that you're not on the public school schedule and their schedule is for them. It's not for you. And their schedule isn't the only right way to do things. Mm -hmm. And so kids need Some kids need more time to grasp a concept, and that's totally okay. In fact, that's a very good thing. Let them slow down. Let them take time to learn something. If they're slower in math than everything else, that doesn't mean they're failing a grade. That just means they need more time in math, and that's all it is. But I guarantee you, by the time they're 18 years old, they'll be reading, and they'll know how to compute, and they'll know how to talk, and they'll They'll know so many things, even if it wasn't on the checklist at the right time. Yes. Okay. So what about this one? Grade levels don't really matter. That's going to scare a lot of people that are coming out of public (laughs) school where everything is about grade levels. So what do you mean by that? Well, it kind of goes into the same thing about being behind. And yes, when you come out of the public school, we are all taught to think like a public school. It's the American way. Mm -hmm. And so I'm ne- I'm never surprised when someone says the things that sound like a public school because that's just what we do here. Uh, in fact, that's what everybody in the world does. So it's so normal to think that way, but it's kind of like not getting behind. Um, grade levels are, again, a public school idea that helps manage tons of kids efficiently. And so we don't have to do that. We're not managing tons of kids efficiently we in our homes are managing a handful of kids all on a very personal level. And so grade levels are okay. They're not bad. They're not wrong, but they're totally stressful. (laughs) So I do think that moms in a homeschool setting need to let go of the fear of trying to stay up on grade levels. And so When you think about a grade level and you think, oh, like I said earlier, we have to do multiplication in third grade or we have to do state history in fifth grade. No, you don't. (laughs) Um, It's good to keep your list. It's good to keep progressing every year. But uh, in public school, they take a whole grade. And if you mess up in one subject area, you fail the whole grade. That's not even that doesn't make any sense. So why would we want to copy that at home? And the other thing I'll say about grade levels is it's a 20th century idea. It is not anything that's been going on for a long time. It's very new and it is definitely a public school idea. Before the 20th century, you just progressed on a level and not a grade. And in, in, in different books and in different subjects, you just kept moving forward. And so that's what I encourage homeschoolers to think. Just keep moving forward. Yeah, that's excellent. All right. So some parents need to hear this and this will put a 
get a big burden off their shoulder, I think, when you say, don't let the curriculum be your master. What does that mean? Oh, yeah, this is hard. Again, it's it's the public school mindset where you've got a workbook in front of you and they're, you know, if you have 180 school days, there's probably 180 lessons in the math book or the grammar or, you know, 36-week history lesson, you know, whatever you have. And if it's May and you've only gotten through 100 of the 180 lessons, then you think, oh, now we are a grade behind because we didn't finish this in the quote school year. And so I, I want parents to understand that the school books are all a tool and they are not in charge of you. <laughs> You're in charge of them. And it's okay to skip a page. It's okay to slow down and do every page. It's okay to do them twice or skip over several lessons. You have to take confidence in your ability to see what your child knows, already understands, or needs more work on. And just use this school book as a tool and not as your your master and your calendar and the principle of whatever. It's just supposed to help you. It's not supposed to take over your life. And so um, in our house, you know, we'll order a new math book in November and then another kid will get a math book in February. And there, we don't have a calendar for school. We're just always learning. And so that's, uh, it's, it's very freeing if you can start thinking of that. I, I wrote a blog post a long time ago called Think Outside the School Year. Mm-hmm. And this kind of falls into all of these things that I've been talking about. Don't, don't worry about what the school does. Don't worry about the way it's been done for the last 100 years because, Um, There's so much more to education history than the last hundred years in America, but we have such a narrow vision and we only know this thing that we grew up in. And so um, let all of that go and just think, here's my child and here's what he needs and here's what I have to help him. Let's wake up in the morning, open the book and work on it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah, you're right. I love this next one because it's really putting parents back in the driver's seat. Like we said, instead of having the professionals and the experts tell us what needs done, you say, trust your gut. So can you flesh that out for us? I will try. It's hard because like I said, uh, a lack of confidence is one of the main problems when it comes to someone starting to homeschool. And so if they don't have a lot of confidence, they're probably not going to trust their gut. But I would just say, put this in the same category as all other parenting. When you are trying to figure out why your child has a headache or, um, you know, which car seat is going to be best or any of the things that you do as a parent, do the same thing with their education. Don't worry. Don't stress. Just go with what seems right. And and sometimes you, you may make a decision and then think, oh, that was the wrong one, but you're not going to mess up your child. I know so many people that I've seen this comment so many times, I'm afraid I'm going to wreck my child. And I'm just thinking, if you feed them McDonald's every day for a week, you're still not going to wreck them. They're not going to feel good. You know, yeah, a few things may go wrong, <laughs> but you're not going to wreck the child. And it's the same thing if you don't use the right curriculum or uh, you skip school for two weeks or all of those things. If, if you see a problem and you think, well, no one else has got this solution, but here's the solution I think is right. Just go with it. Don't worry about even what all the other homeschoolers are doing. If it doesn't feel right for you, 
Um, don't worry if everyone else is using this popular curriculum and you just thought, no, that doesn't work for me. Don't get it. Don't worry about it. Use what works for you. Trust your gut as a mom and just think about what's good for your kids, not all the kids. <laughs> yeah. I, I can think back on my own homeschooling career and the times where we've had a terrible situation because I didn't follow my gut, right? Because you're, you're yes. oh, but they, like you said, oh, but everyone is using this or everyone says this is great, you know? And it, yeah. I think that would solve a lot of problems because we know our kids best. So it makes sense that mm-hmm. we're making the right decisions most of the time because we know our kids. So yeah. Yeah. Totally helpful there. All right. So we know academics are important, but sometimes we get so hung up on the academics, we forget this last point that you mentioned in your last chapter of your book, which is relationship is the most important part of homeschooling. Tell us about that. Well, I I started thinking about this over the last few years as I've seen the rise in two things in the homeschool movement. Remember, I grew up in the 80s as a homeschooler, and so there were no co-ops. There was no internet. Um, You know, you actually just had school at home with your mom, and sometimes there was a field trip to the dentist or the (laughs) fire department or something. So um, I've seen it all, and now I see such a huge surge in Um, the kind of question where a parent will say, I need you to tell me the best free online curriculum where I don't have to do anything. Mm. Or I'm going to sign my kid up for something every day of the week so that they have everything they need. And I would not say that any of those things are bad, but I would say be very careful not to overdo it in still farming everything out. Because in my opinion, and it's not just me, it's from years and years of reading the Bible and it's years and years of seeing education and seeing society. Our job as parents is not just to make sure they can do math and science and history. Our job is discipleship and you can't disciple someone if you're not spending time with them. And so if you have chosen to go ahead and take your kids out of the public school system and homeschool, You've got a huge gift, a huge gift of time together. And so don't just think, well, I can't do the school part. At least they're in my living room. They may be facing a screen for six hours, but hey, they're at home. Get involved, even if it takes a little bit more of your time, even if some of it's harder. Sit down and have the conversations. Read through some of the books with them. Um, Look up stuff with them on the internet. And build that relationship because you cannot imagine the gift of having this relationship. And like you said, you've learned too, that having teenagers at home and teaching them is something that you don't hear in society. Teenagers are supposed to be rebellious and difficult and impossible, but I tell you what, that is not true. (laughs) If you are with them and you talk to them and, and there's mutual respect and, and they trust you, it's a totally different world. And so relationship becomes more important than academics. And I'm not saying academics are not important because I I firmly believe they are. But you can blend the two and have amazing outcomes if, if you will take the time. It's a little harder. It does take more from you, but it is so worth it. And trust me, I know they grow up and move out and then you go, 
whoa, what just happened here? So take that. I'm so, so thankful for the time that I did have with my daughters that already grown Mm -hmm. and I had their whole lives. They homeschooled all the way through and I still wish I had more. So um, take this gift. It is a, it's, it is such a gift. I, I advise parents to use it wisely. Oh, I love that. It is. It is a gift. And I love the time we get with our kids. It is funny. It is funny to say we love being with their kids all day, but you, when you build those relationships, it, it is enjoyable mm-hmm. and seeing them grow and, and having that family time that if they were off at school, you wouldn't have that time with them. I totally agree with what you're saying. I love it. Now, as we wrap up then, Nikki, this has been really great and I encourage everyone to check out your book, but what final encouragement can you give to the homeschool mom who's maybe listening in the middle of a bad day? I don't know. What final encouragement can you give? Well, it's funny that you asked that way because I would say there are some really fun days and there's days when the kids wake up cheerful and all the school lessons go smoothly and your craft project worked and everyone ate the meals that you provided and they were so happy. And then there are days when none of that is true at all and you think, what am I doing? Why is everything so hard? And so I just want you to remember that homeschooling, it is not... it's own thing. Like you said earlier, it's just parenting extended. It's parenting in overdrive because you've taken complete, absolute responsibility for the upbringing of your children. And I, I know this is a popular term going around on the internet, and I firmly believe it, that education is discipleship. And so it's not just the education. It's from the second you wake up in the morning till you put those kids in bed at night, you're discipling them. And so some days are hard. Some days you just want to cry and then go get fast food and put everybody to bed early. And that's okay because you're going to wake up tomorrow and try it all over again. Um, Raising kids is a long-term commitment. And it is like James Dobson said, it's the most important job in the universe. We can influence society for the good, or we can just feed and clothe some people and send them out into the world to maybe make a difference and maybe not. And so what you're doing is so important. And when you do something important, it is hard, but it's not hard forever. And it's not hard every day. So don't give up, just pray, take a break. I always advise taking a break. If you have to take a day off of school or a week, step back and figure out what might need to change or just go have some fun with the kids for the day or have everybody nap a little longer, whatever you have to do. But remember that discipleship is is what God gave us our kids for. And it's worth all those hard days. And they go by so quickly. I will tell you that. I cried on my daughter's wedding day thinking, wait, this is happening too fast. It goes so fast. And, and you don't want to... Um, you don't want to spend it in bitterness and self-pity. It's so worth it. So if it's hard, it's just today. Let, let tomorrow give you a new day and a new perspective. Oh, thank you for sharing your wisdom and your many years of experience with us, Nikki. And thanks for chatting with me today. Thank you for having me. This was really fun. I really hope this conversation I had with Nikki was a help and encouragement to you. I hope it encouraged you to know that anyone can homeschool. And so definitely head over to the show notes to see if you can win a copy of her book. You can find links to Nikki's book and her site and go ahead and enter the giveaway all in the show notes page, which you will find at 41more.com forward slash 85. 
And in the meantime, happy homeschooling.